Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And as Abel, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the grounds. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I think I mentioned this last week because uh, we are in the sermon series uh, talking about what it means to be whole. And I realize that sometimes, uh, especially the last couple of scripture readings that we've had, last week was about Adam and Eve being tempted by the snake and, and falling, right? Eating the fruit that they weren't supposed to. And then this week with the story of Cain and Abel and Cain murdering his brother, you know, you end and we get to that thanks be to God and it's maybe not as a triumphant thanks be to God, but this is the word of God because we are learning about what it means to become whole by seeing what it means to not be whole. And one of the things that I, I want us to see uh, today is we're going to be kind of looking at the anatomy of sin. Uh, that may not seem very fun to you, but I have to be honest. I have really been looking forward to this sermon because I think there's a lot there that can be really, really helpful, that can be really, really healing for a lot of people. And so just because you, you hear a, 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 the scripture and you're like, oh, it's about like a brother murdering a brother, you know, that, that seems like not connected to my life at all, you know? I'm not a murderer, but we all do deal with brokenness. We all do deal with sin right? And that's what this passage is about. Uh, Over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask us this question that I think will kind of guide our conversation in terms of sin and in terms of what goes wrong that breaks us. What is it that causes us to not be whole? And the question I want to ask you is, what do you want? This is a kind of a meme from the movie Notebook where Ryan Gosling keeps asking uh, this other character, what do you want? What do you want? I've seen uh, this meme used for like, you know, when you're asking your girl what she wants to eat. What do you want? What do you want? Just tell me, what do you want? And in this, in this uh, scene in the movie, it's kind of frustrating because she doesn't seem to really know what she wants. You know, and maybe for some of us, uh, you know, we are all driven by certain desires. But the question of what you want and what you really want is actually not as simple as you may think. Um, And oftentimes, you know, even if you think you know what you want, it may not be what you actually want. So let me give you an example. What if I were to ask you, what do you want right now? 
I, I don't know, like, like if you were to shout it out or if you were to write it down, what do you want? Maybe some of you might say, I want a job. Or, you know, I want a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. You know, I want a baby. I, I want uh, a successful career. You know, I, I want a lot of money. I want to travel the world. Right? All of these different things you may want. But this is the thing. What if you got a job and it was soul-sucking? And you hated your boss and you hated all your coworkers. I see a couple people who are kind of looking down and going like this. <laughs> Maybe you've been in this situation. You wanted this job and you wanted it so bad and then you got it and you quickly found, I don't want this. <laughs> this isn't what I thought I was signing up for, right? Or what about the girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, or a husband or a wife? Now, how many people look to that? You know, oh, man, if I can get married, then I won't be lonely anymore. This will be so great. And you get it, and you get married, and a few years down the line, right, maybe you can't stand looking at that person anymore. <laughs> you can't stand the way they chew, you know? There's all these things that are so annoying to you. And it's hard to remember that at one time, one time, you chose that. You desired that. You wanted that more than anything, and you got it. And it didn't give you what you wanted, right? You can go down the line and with everything, with anything that you ever wanted, oftentimes you'll find out it's not what you really want, right? Like, like let's take like the job, for example. You know, what, what do you really want in that? I mean, maybe you want to feel accomplished or maybe you want to feel like you're successful or maybe you want to make money. Well, why do you want to make money? Well, so I can have freedom. Or so I can have joy. I mean, so many of these things really come down to joy, to fulfillment, to these greater things, right? Deeper things, right? Really what you want is you want Eden, right? You want shalom. You want wholeness, right? You want to be right. You want everything in your world to be right. But this is the thing. You live in a broken world, and many of us, we are seeking something that is impossible. What many of us are seeking is we want to rearrange the world around us to give us what we want so that we will be happy on the inside. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever get like extremely unhappy because there's lots of traffic? I know for me, this happens so often. You know, like, like I'm running late or something, and it's like, I really don't want to be late. And then all of a sudden, there's all this traffic. And then I'm like, why? Why? You know, if I could in that moment, I would just snap my fingers and there would be no traffic, right? There's no way that's going to happen, right? I can never get rid of traffic all the time. I mean, at any moment, you could be driving to work and there could be a major accident, right? You have no control over that. That wasn't you. You didn't do that, right? It just happened. Right? What are you going to do? Maybe for some of us, uh, you know, there's something happening in your day where you, you are at the coffee shop and, I don't know, the barista is like really mean to you. They're really rude. You know, they get your name wrong. You know, instead of Ian, I-A-N, they write it with a Y. Why would you do that? That doesn't even make sense. That's, that's Yan. That's not Ian anymore. Why would you do that? Who knows? Right? Would you want a world where everyone spells your name correctly? Where there is no traffic? 
Of course you would want that. But friends, think about for a moment how insane it is to try to make the world what you desire it to be in order so that it fits you, your preferences, and what you want. Right? Like, like it's just, it's not going to work. Right? But what all of us want is we want this peace inside. We want this joy. We want this fulfillment. Right? We don't want the junk that so often happens in life just kind of messing with us. Right? But as we go through life, what we find is that we desire and want things all the time. Right? But one of the things that we need to understand in order to be spiritual people in order to be fulfilled on a spiritual level, is that there are different levels of your wants because there's different levels of your consciousness. There's different levels of your humanity, of yourself, right? Paul talks about it. He uses uh, the terms flesh and spirit, right? Flesh is the lower level and spirit is the higher level, right? And the flesh is the external stuff, right? Right? You know, the stuff we already mentioned, the job, the money, the, the, the um, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, circumstances, right? The traffic, the brista, all of this stuff, this belongs to the realm of flesh, okay? It just, it's stuff, right? It's external stuff, situations, circumstances, right? And a lot of us, we just live on this level, and this is all we know how to seek. But there's a higher level. And that's the spiritual level. That's what you actually really want. Freedom, joy, grace, peace, love, right? All of that stuff where it talks about the fruits of the spirits, right? Has nothing to do with stuff. Yeah, it feels like sometimes stuff gives you that only for a moment. And then it's gone, right? But this is the thing. A lot of us are attuned to something to this kind of fleshly level, and we have these desires and wants, and we just chase those things. You have a mind that tells you from moment to moment, hey, let's go do this, or hey, I want to do this, right? But what you're going to find out very quickly, and I think, I would guess most of us are of the consciousness where you can see that this is happening, that there is something that is telling you within you, a voice in your head, right? Your mind is telling you, let's do this, let's do that, right? And ultimately, you're doing it because you want happiness and joy and peace and all of these things. But one of the things you'll find out is that voice, that, that's kind of the promise, right? If I do what this voice is telling me to do, I'm going to be happy. That's the promise. But what you're going to find out is it never happens. If you listen to that voice, it will not make you happy, Right? Just a real quick example. How many of you, when, you've, when you're supposed to be studying, your mind is like, ah, let's not study. Let's go on Instagram, right? And in that moment, what do you want to do? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? There's levels to this, isn't there? What you really want is to have peace and joy, even in this moment, right? You want freedom. And to some of us, it's the freedom of, you know, not having a test hanging over your head (laughs) or not doing poorly on a test, right? You know, you don't want that. You don't want that bad feeling, right? But because you exist on a very fleshly plane, 
the flesh, the easiest path to that is let's just not worry about the things that are bothering you. And for a moment, let's just check out mentally and just look at the screen, right? It's not what you really want. Because if you do that, right, you do that for five hours instead of studying for the test, right, you're going to be very unhappy (laughs) when you fail the test, right? Five hours later, when you come up from Instagram, how many of us How many of us regret it? How many of us are like, why did I do that? Why? You know why? You know why? There's one simple reason. Why? Because you listen to the voice in your head, right? You listen to that voice in your head that said, let's go on to Instagram, right? And you did it, right? You followed it. So many of us, friends, I'm telling you, we don't ever question that voice. We don't ever ask, voice, do you know what the heck you're talking about? Do you know that this is going to make me happy? Are you reliable? We just do it. We think we have to sometimes, right? It's a kind of slavery, right? And so in order for us to be free, we got to ask this question, what do you really want? And does this voice inside your head have any clue to to, uh, uh, how to get you what you actually want, right? So... We're going to be talking about this idea of sin. We'll come back to this in a moment. But you're going to see that in this passage, right? So th- this, this is uh, uh, Cain and Abel, right? So Adam and Eve, they had uh, their first kid. Uh, his name was Cain, right? And, and then again, she bore uh, his brother, Abel. And we're told now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. So he's a farmer, right? In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain gets very angry, and we're told that his face falls. Now, friends, why did the Lord not accept Cain's offering? Do you guys know? Because I have always been told this answer, and it actually doesn't say this in Scripture. A lot of times, at least what I heard like when I was in Sunday school, is the reason why God didn't accept Cain's offering but offered Abel's was because Abel's was the first, that he gave him the best of his flock, right? That he gave him the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. But if you think about it for a second, how could... Cain give the firstborn of like a, a field of wheat or something like that, right? What does that mean? You know, because probably he planted all the seeds all at once and they all came up at once, right? What difference does it make whether or not he gave the first of the crops, right? And, and there, there is this kind of question. We're not really sure why, but for some reason, God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And it does seem to indicate when you look at uh, other scripture, that it seems like it has to do with the matter of the heart, right? There's something in Cain's heart that is not quite right. And for Abel, he's giving purely to the Lord. He's giving the very best to God, right? And God sees that and he accepts it. In Hebrews 11, it says that God accepts that, that it's a better sacrifice because of Abel's faith. Because of Abel's trust in the Lord, his relationship with God, his posture before the Lord, God accepts it. But Cain, we don't really know why, right? But for some reason, 
God doesn't accept it. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God is like, okay, Cain, you're cursed. Get out of here. I hate you. No. No. Actually, he, he actually continues to talk to Cain throughout the story, right? He continues to work with Cain. He continues to try to teach Cain. So clearly, God wanted to have a relationship with Cain. But what does it mean when it says that he doesn't accept the offering? And that what we see here is that uh, uh, Cain gets angry and his face falls. And you're going to see a lot of face falling, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, things about like lifting up your face, right? What this means in scripture is it is a, a kind of talking about a way of blessing, of this connection with God. If your face is lifted up towards God, you have this connection, right? Imagine talking to someone or having like a relationship with someone where they never look you in the eye, right? You're, you're eating dinner with someone or you're having a date, right? If you're having a first date with someone and they never look at you, they never turn their face towards you, that's a bad sign. <laughs> There's disconnection going on, right? And have you ever been like really like, like just embarrassed right? Or, or like you made a mistake, you know? I don't know, you messed up on something. And then you see your mom or dad, you know, like, like, I don't know, maybe you scratched their car and they don't know it yet. And they're like, hey, how's it going? And you can't look at them in the eye, right? That's what's going on here. Cain cannot lift his face to the Lord. His face falls, right? This is sin, okay? This is sin. I know a lot of us think about sin in terms of doing bad things, and it can be, but what sin is really about is disconnection. In the Greek, uh, the word sin is harmatia, and it's an archery term, right? It means to miss the mark, right? And so you see, uh, for those of us who are like maybe listening to just the audio of this, I'm showing a picture of uh, an archery board, right, like a target, and basically the arrows have hit everywhere except for the bullseye, and that's the way sin is. We are disconnected from God, and, and so if we were, you know, in sync with God, in harmony, in union with God, there would be no sin, right, but sin is this breaking of this relationship with God, right? And oftentimes, one of the things that causes that is our own shame, our own guilt. Man, there are so many uh, Christ followers I know who I think do love the Lord, but they, they do something bad, and they think it's holy to sulk, to, to, to be ashamed, and, you know, to hide their face from God. But guys, that in and of itself is sin. By definition, you are breaking that gaze with the Lord, right? You are breaking that fellowship with God, and you are turning away and looking at other things. What are you looking at? You're looking at yourself, your problems, your faults, right? Oh my gosh, how could I do that? How could I do that? But really what God wants you to look at is him, Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your sin. Look at me, right? And that's what God is trying to do in this passage. He's trying to look at Cain, right? And, and the thing is, friends, you know, maybe for Cain, you know, he's angry and he's frustrated, right? But, you know, God is asking him, like, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? I think God is asking Cain a very honest question, right? And for Cain... He never answers the question. 
Because I've got to tell you, you're going to see in the rest of this passage, Cain maybe knows why he's angry, but he doesn't really know. Not really. He's not able to accept it, right? Because who could Cain be angry at? Who could Cain be angry at? Well, okay, in the world right now, (laughs) this is very early, right? Genesis chapter 4. There's probably not a lot of people around. Maybe, you know, Adam and Eve had some other kids. I don't know. Maybe there's some animals. But who could Cain be angry at? I think that there are three candidates. Well, actually, I'm going to say there's four candidates, okay? Number one, Cain could be angry at himself, right? I messed up. My heart was not right, you know? I, I should have thought about the offering I was giving to the Lord, but I didn't. I don't know. He could be angry at himself, right? He could be angry at God. He'd be like, God, why wouldn't you accept my offering, right? I mean, you you know, I I gave you what I thought was best, and why did you reject me? He could legit be angry at God. Obviously, he could be angry at his brother, and he is, right? And, and, you know, he could be kind of like look at his brother and be like, well, this, you know, this guy comes up and he shows me up and, you know, he, he like made me look like a fool. And if my brother wasn't around, then God would accept me. All right. Are you guys hearing this? Can you hear how insane that sounds? How just unreasonable that storyline is? We don't get any of that. We, we, we get the sense that Abel actually just really loves the Lord. His heart is pure. He's not trying to show up his brother, Right? But this is the answer that, a- that Cain fixates on. It's Abel's fault, right? There's a fourth possibility. Cain could be angry at reality, at life. Well, why did I have to be a farmer, God? When the roles were being passed out, why couldn't I have been the one tending the flocks, and the animals. And then I could have given you a nice fatty sacrifice. But no, I get saddled with being the farmer. And all I can give you is this stupid grain. Right? It could be an option. Right? And for many of us, friends, it could be all of those things that we are angry at, we're upset at, we're not able to accept. Right? We already said that one of the ways that we try to become ha- happy is we try to change the world out there in order to reflect what we want. And we think if we can change the world, then we will be happy. And so there is this thing that, that uh, uh, Cain gets very fixated on, and it is his brother. And the Lord sees it, right? So, so again, he asks that question, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Why are you not looking at me? Right? I mean, I love you, right? And, and, and I think God is willing to forgive Cain because he's still talking to him. He still wants to be in relationship with him. But Cain is the one who turned away, right? And he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? The actual Hebrew here says, will there not be a lifting up of your countenance? right? If you do well, you can be reconnected with me. And if you do, do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is towards you. That's what it, it literally says in the Hebrew. It, it's, it's trying to get you, but you must rule over it, right? Friends, this is just so interesting because God can see it happening. I mean, he's God. He knows what's happening, right? This little, like, discomfort, 
that started with, with Cain. I know it seems so small, but friends, you got to see how this works, right? There's this little discomfort. Ah, oh, I didn't get accepted by God, right? And so what does he do with that? He stews on it. He doesn't let it go. There's something in his mind. There's that voice in his head that's saying like, it's Abel. It's that, you know, stupid brother of yours. Oh, he thinks he's so much better than you. Look at him. Look at his little smug face. Oh, I'm so holy. Oh, I give this nice fat offering to the Lord. Oh, I can't stand his face. Right? And just these things just start building. Right? The story, it's getting bigger and bigger. And the disconnection is getting greater and greater and greater. And that voice inside his head gets more and more intense. Right? So what is happening, friends? What is happening? There's this pressure that's building. And the voice is telling uh, Cain, you have to relieve this pressure. you got to get rid of it, right? And so what does he do? He uses that pressure and he unleashes it on his brother. And he kills his brother. Friends, have you ever gotten angry and you ended up doing something just so unreasonable with that anger? There are times where I've gotten angry because someone cut me off right? And I progressively get angrier and angrier. And sometimes that person like, is like way ahead of me, but I can still kind of see them. And I'm thinking like, you stupid, I, I, I can't believe you did that. Did you not see me here? Like, seriously? What's wrong with you? And I'm also like kind of getting angry at myself because I'm like, why am I getting so angry about this? It's not that big of a deal. I keep saying that. It's not that big of a deal, but I'm getting so angry about it. And before I know it, I'm hitting the side of my door. I did this actually a couple weeks ago. I got so angry about something, I started pounding my door as hard as I could, and it was so stupid. Some of you guys know I broke my wrist in February. You guys see that? You see that scar? (laughs) For those of you who are newer. Um, And it is not 100%, okay? So me hitting the side of the door with this arm is like the stupidest thing I could do, right? I broke it. There's a plate in here right? Why am I pounding the side of my door? But there's a part of me that's just listening to this voice inside my head that is like, hit the door, hit the door, hit the door! And I'm just, "Ah!" right? What the heck? It's not reasonable. But sin is ruling over you. This disconnection is ruling over you, right? How many times does that happen in your life? where you start doing something, or it could even be the voice inside your head that, you know, maybe you're disconnected from your friends. You have this little voice that's like, ah, no one likes you. Why why go out? Your friends invited you out. They didn't mean it. Nobody wants to see your stupid face. And you just keep believing that voice. So you just stay home. You're playing games on your phone, and you just feel more and more isolated right? And just like, well, I can't go out now. How can I go out now? And before you know it, you don't even want to live anymore. Where did that come from? Whose voice is that? Is that the voice of God? Because Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give you life abundantly. The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Whose voice do you think that is? It's the thief. It's the enemy wanting to steal your joy. But we listen to it. We listen to it all the time. 
And so, friends, there is another option here. I want to show you uh, in Hebrews, because it's going to talk about some of the very similar things, right? So uh, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So this includes guys like Abel, right? People who are able to please the Lord. People who are able to live into their faith. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there's a couple of things. That sin is always close at hand. Remember what it says that, that, that you know, God said to Cain, Sin is crouching at your door. It's right outside, right? And he, in Hebrews, it says the sin is clinging very closely, right? It's just right there. That possibility of being disconnected, that little voice inside of your head, it's always there, right? And all the time, it's just chattering, just telling you things, right? Hey, do this. Ah, don't study. Ah, you know, like, like those people hate you. Ah, that person's such a jerk. It's always just chattering at you, right? <laughs> I've heard people say, the voice inside your head, it's not you. The voice inside your head is a jerk, <laughs> right? It's just, it just won't shut up, right? It's just always there, right? But what it says is, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What does it mean by every weight? It means even the light ones, not just the heavy ones, right? This is the thing, friends. When you see Jesus teach on anger, he doesn't go after murder first. He doesn't say, do not murder. You know what he starts with? He starts with your anger, He starts with contempt, those little seeds of annoyance, right, when they're small, right? Just like what what God is saying, don't let that sin rule over you. If you start listening to that voice and indulging it and holding on to it, it becomes a part of you, and it starts getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and before you know it, you can't help it. When I got to the point where I'm banging the side of the door so hard, there's a voice in my head that's like, yo, I need to stop doing this, but I can't. I can't. I can't stop doing it. Not at that point. The best I can do is just be compassionate, right? Just, just afterwards, you know, just maybe just pull off to the side of the road. Just, you know, take a few deep breaths. Just don't react. Just let it pass. Just let it go. But friends, that's also what you need to do when you are experiencing any of these weights, any of this level of disconnection or sin, that little voice chattering in your head, right? any of that discomfort, we need to lay it aside. That's what it says in Scripture. In other words, you need to let it go. Let it go. Let it go every time before it gets big, before it becomes bigger. Give it to Jesus. He can handle it, right? Give it to God. Confess it. Don't hold on to it, because the more you do, the stronger it's going to get. So it says, let us run the race, uh, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There are two things in this, friends. One is, don't Keep God from your stuff, from your junk. Lift up your face. Many of us, when we are in shame, when we have done wrong, when we are feeling disconnected, it just makes you want to disconnect more, 
right? Last thing you want to do is pray. Last thing you want to do is think about God. But this is the first thing we must do, right? We don't want to look at God because we're afraid of punishment. You're afraid. You're afraid. But in Jesus, we know that we are completely forgiven. There's no sin that you have ever done that will disconnect you permanently from God, right? Jesus has died for every single sin that you have ever committed, right? So why are we afraid to look at this wonderful, loving, forgiving God? This is the answer we need. This is what we need to lift up our face. But so many of us, we don't do that. But also it's saying, lift up your face and look at his, his example. Look at the way that Jesus endured the cross. Do you guys remember when Jesus was up there on the cross? And there's all these people who came up to Jesus, and they're like, bah, what a fraud, what a joke. Can you believe what this guy said? He said he was going to tear down the temple in three days. They're like spitting on him. They're calling him names. And what does Jesus do? Does he hold on to it? Does he like start feeling justified? Like, yeah, they are jerks. Oh, man, I'm going to get them, right? No, what does he do? He lets it go. He lets it go. He lets it go. So there on the cross in Luke, we are told Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is actively forgiving those who would wrong him all the time. He's not holding on to it, right? He's letting it go. I don't think Jesus could have endured the cross if he didn't know how to let go if he didn't know how to trust God completely, right? Many of us, we don't know how to do that. We hold on to that hurt, right? It makes no sense other than you feel offended, other than you think you have to control the outcome of that. You cannot. Let it go. Let it go. God will deal with them, right? I mean, one of the things that happens to me is when I get so angry, you know, it just ends up ruining my day. And that person goes on. They don't give me a second thought. I'm telling you, they don't give me a second thought right? Or I could try to ruin their day. There are times where someone cuts me off and I'm like, I'm going to ram them. I'm just, today is going to be the day I'm going to ram them, right? And I don't do it because I don't want to pay $10,000 to fix my car, right? That's going to be a greater pain. But you know what's a great pain too is holding on to that anger and what that does to my spirit. Maybe before that, man, I was like in connection with God. I was just enjoying the day. It was a beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made and then ah, someone cuts in front of me. And I'm going to let them steal my joy by getting angry at them and just storing up all that junk, all that unforgiveness, all that wrath within me? No, let it go. It's not worth it. Let it go. Any of those things, do not hold on to it. Let it go. And it says, um, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You won't grow weary if you're constantly letting go. That's what it means to forgive. The operative word is give. Give it up. You cannot forgive if you don't give up. That's what it's about, right? And then it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, but Jesus did. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard the, lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Friends, some of the th- times, uh, it's so hard for us to let go because it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable, right? There's a voice in your head that is like, mm, let's burn with anger, let's do it. It kind of feels good to get angry doesn't it? It kind of feels good to let off that steam, to unleash, to start yelling at the person. In that moment, it feels good, but it wounds your spirit, right? 
The kind of anger and guilt and all the things that it'll create, all the problems it'll create later are not worth it, right? And so, friends, we get so addicted to wanting to feel good in that moment instead of understanding what the Lord is trying to get you to do. He doesn't want to give you that temporary satisfaction. He wants to give you lasting joy and peace. If you don't believe me, look at what it says here, right? The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For the moment, uh, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, of rightness, right? Don't you want that? Don't you want the peaceful fruit of rightness? Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone. In other words, let it go. Forgive. Don't hold on to that strife. You don't need that within you. Just let it go. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, right? That little bitterness that you're holding on to, that little feeling of, mm, I feel justified. Let it go. What good is it doing you? It's poisoning your spirit. Let it go. Friends, this is all spiritual practice. Like, seriously, 99% of it, I'm convinced, it's letting go. It's surrendering. We think so much of it is you know, read the Bible and pray and do this. I'm telling you, friends, it's not going to do you much good if you are not learning to let go of these things that are building up within you. God does want to shower you with grace, but you can't receive it. You know why? Because you're filled up with all of this negative energy, right? All this bitterness, right? All of this self-justification and self-righteousness. And I can't believe that person did that. I can't believe this is happening to me. Why me? Why me? And you feel like a victim and all this stuff and you just become curled and closed. But if we can get rid of that root of bitterness, let it out, let it go, all of it, all of it. The moment you feel it, just bring it before God, right? And it's this simple, friends. Just two things, relax and release. Relax and release. How do you let go of something? Well, you got to relax, right? I'll tell you how you hold on to something. You don't relax. You tense up, right? You hold that thing very, very tightly. You want to let go of that. Just, just, just relax your fingers, and, and it'll just release, right? Just relax in the presence of God. Relax in the presence of your enemies. Relax in the presence of whatever it is that's bothering you. This deadline, this pressure of your parents, you know, uh, wanting you to be successful, or this pressure that you feel of wanting to get a job and not knowing if you're going to get it. Just relax. Just let go. There is a God who loves you who will catch you. I promise you. I promise you. Friends, I just want to end with this. What do you really want? I'm going to ask the praise team to come up as we ask this question. What do you really want? Do you want to just feel good in the moment? By the way, that voice in your head, we already said, is really, really bad at predicting what's going to make you happy. Even in the moment, even that little temporary satisfaction. Oftentimes, if you're aware enough, 
while you are indulging that voice, there's going to be something within you. If you start paying attention, that's just like, wait, why am I doing this? <laughs> what is this getting me? Is this worth it? Right? Is this worth the effort that I'm expending? Right? And friends, it's the simplest thing in the world. It takes almost no energy. It's opposite energy to let go. Relax. Right? Let it go to God. And you can have peace. And you can have joy. I'm convinced this is what you should be doing in your prayers. Right? The number one thing you should be doing is just relaxing in the presence of God and letting go whatever it is within you. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to the anger. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to convince that person that you're right and they're wrong. Why? Why? Don't worry. It is the Lord's. The Lord will avenge you. Don't worry, friends. You don't need to run this universe. You don't have to make this world fit the way that you want it to be. You don't need to wipe the, the, the smug smile off of Abel's face. You need to do what is right. Just let go. Just lift up your face. Your forgiveness is here. Your peace is here. Your love is here. Your Lord is here. Your God who gave his son. He gave everything so that you could be with him. Lift up your face. Let go. 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 What are you holding on to? Let go. Let go. Let go. Is it really doing you that many favors? This relationship you've been holding on to that maybe you shouldn't have? This expectation you have that maybe you shouldn't have? This unforgiveness that you have? This bitterness that you have? This anger you have towards your parents? This, this disappointment you feel in not getting into the school you wanted to get into? not getting the job you wanted, getting rejected by that girl or that guy? Is it doing you any favors? Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Just let go. It's that simple. Relax. Let go. Relax your fingers. Straighten your feet. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. God is here. He loves you. He forgives you. He's for you. There is nothing better Amen. Amen.